uh, my heart is full, my notes are full, um, I've just asked the Lord, you know, don't let me mess it up and help me focus on what needs to be focused on this morning. Um, there's probably half a dozen ways that we could, could go, and so we're going to, you can't steer a parked car, um, and so we're going to start rolling this morning, and we're going to trust the Holy Spirit's going to steer us and lead us um, as um, we go. I just want to begin with just um, a review. I, I normally say a quick review, but um, we really sort of got ahead of ourselves last Sunday because it was Easter. Um, the Easter message fit with our current study. Um, there's just some backfill now that we need to do. So let me just remind you, uh, and for those of you who may be new to the study, um, I'll, I'll inform you or remind you. In Judges, the sixth chapter, we, we have uh, the account of a young man named Gideon. And Gideon was hiding from the Midianites who were the enemies of the Israelites. And the Midianites were bullying them and pushing them around. And the, and the Israelites cried out to God for help. And God sent a prophet first to the, to the people. And, and he told the people all that he had done for them. How he had brought them out of slavery in Egypt. How he had sustained them. How he had destroyed their enemies. How he had made promises to them and covenant with them. And, 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 and all of these just amazing things that God had done for them. Amen. And then, of course, we see that the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. And Gideon is hiding in a wine press threshing wheat. And, and that's not where you thresh wheat. You thresh wheat out in the open because you, you throw it up in the air and the breeze blows the, the chaff away and the kernels of wheat fall back to the ground like panning for gold. But Gideon was doing this indoors because every time they would get a sack of, of food, the Midianites would come and steal it from them. And so the angel of the Lord uh, uh, you know, shows up to, you know, in, in his fearful and impoverished state. Uh, again, all this is review. Fearful and impoverished. He was impoverished in poverty and fearful. And the angel of the Lord shows up to him. And the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, um, You mighty man of valor. Well, Gideon's looking around to see who he's talking about because that is not the image that Gideon had of himself. Now, here's the key thing that I want us to, to begin with and build on this morning. Gideon had an image of himself based upon what had been done to him. Okay, um, The things that he had experienced, the choices that he had made, the fear that he was experiencing, um, people that had taken advantage of him, people that had rejected him, people that had hurt him. And so Gideon's self-image had been formed by what had been done to him. Wherein Father God expected his people to have an image of themselves based upon what had been done for them. Do you see, what I'm, do you see this, this, this this morning? It's so important. Now, if you fast forward to where we are today, because what we spent most of our time last Sunday talking about was what's been done for us. Amen? What's been done for us. And what's been done for us, although it was um, uh, typified, you know, you know pictured, uh, shadowed, because God brought us out of slavery. God brought us out of bondage. Not slavery in Egypt, bondage and slavery to sin and the consequences of our sin, and the death that comes as a result of sin, all that He's done for us, and now that we've become partakers of, of this gift, this heavenly gift, amen, it's so critically important that the way we see ourselves is renewed and, and reconditioned uh, to uh, reflect this new person that we've become instead of the old person that we were. So again, an image of ourselves based upon what's been done for us instead of an image of ourselves based upon what's been done 
to us. Or, you know, again, um, <laughs> some of the worst things, come on now, can you, amen or oh me, some of the worst things that I've ever, that's ever been done to me, I did to myself. Come on, <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? So I'm not just talking about being victimized here. I'm talking about things that, that, that we have done to ourselves. Well, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23, it says this. It says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And the spirit of your mind is, is talking about the version of your true self that exists in your mind. So you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and all that's contained within a physical body. And so when you were born again, your, your spirit was made according to God, created again according to God is what the Bible says. But we maintain this image of ourselves um, in our soul. And so you've got your true image, which is your born-again spirit. But then we've got the version of our true image, amen, if you will, uh, which is often quite different uh, from who we really are that exists in our, in our, in our minds. And that's, that's the spirit of your mind. So the spirit of your mind is your self-image. Now, the reason it's important for us to understand this and work together with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to, to see this self-image changed is because your life reality is a reflection of your self-image. And we find this, and I'm not going to try to re-preach all these sermons, but just, again, review, remind, for some of you maybe first, I'm either planting or watering this morning, okay? So if you haven't heard this, I'm planting it. If you've heard it, I'm watering it, all right? So your life reality is a reflection of your self-image. Proverbs 27 and 19 says that um, your life is a reflection of what's in your heart. And not only is it a reflection of it, it answers to it like a slave answers to a master. It's, it's, it's something that, um, in other words, if, if the image that you have of yourself never changes, then your life reality uh, will never change. Now, I'm going to maybe for some of you this will be a little silly this morning, but I'm, I'm, uh, the Holy Spirit showed it to me this way, and so I'm going to try to show it to you this way, all right? Because this is the trap that a lot of people get caught in. A lot of people get caught in the trap of trying to change their life reality without ever understanding or working together with, with, with God um, to change the image that their life reality is a reflection of. Are you following me? Okay, so this is, this is how the Lord showed me doing this. Now, I don't wear lipstick. This is my chapstick, and you can tell by my pocket. I carry it around with me, okay? Now, my wife does wear makeup, and I watch her put it on for, I don't know, 35 or more years now, all right? Now, now I've got a mirror here, okay, all right? So now watch this. When I look in this mirror, can, can everybody kind of sort of see what I'm doing here? When I look in this mirror, I see myself. I see a bunch of you too. Y'all look good, all right? Now, Imagine for a moment that I am my wife, all right, or just for me, okay, I'm going to put on my chapstick, all right. How silly would it be for me to hold real still and put the, see, that didn't work, did it? In other words, I'm trying to do something to the reflection instead of to the image that it's reflecting. I'm trying to change me by changing this. The reflection. And so when we try to change our life reality, because your life reality is, is this. So we see something in our lives we don't like, and so we decide we're going to try to change it. What we don't understand is what we're seeing in our lives that we don't like is a reflection, a reflection of something. Sorry. <laughs> you had on headphones, you probably upset with me right now. Amen. It's a reflection of what's inside of us. 
and, and, and trying to change the reflection without trying to change the image that is being reflected is like trying to put makeup on the mirror and expecting your face to look better when you're done. And, it do, and it, it'll never work. It will never work. You, you have to change the image that's being reflected. And so here's also what we understand. It's impossible to have the wrong self-image and function in the potential that you possess as the offspring of God. As long as the image we have of ourselves reflects the man we were, our conduct and condition of life will reflect the man we were, even though we're not that man any longer. This is why we must be renewed in the spirit of our minds. All right, I know some of you have heard this half a dozen times or more. It's okay. Let's hear it some more. I defeat, you defeat, we defeat our Creator Father's purpose for making us a new man if we insist on clinging to the inward image of our former selves, the old man that only exists in our minds. Got any children of God in the room this morning? For the child of God, fear, shame, depression, inferiority, insecurity, condemnation, feelings of unworthiness, all of these things are rooted in a wrong self-image. There is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. Why do so many of God's people live in condemnation? Because they still have a condemned image of themselves. He made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But as long as you see yourself as a sinner, you're going to live more like a sinner than the righteousness you've become. He made you free. You're just as free this morning from sin as Jesus is free from sin this morning. But as long as you see yourselves as an addict, as a slave to sin or what, whatever, you're going to, your life reality is going to reflect that, that part of your heart that is your self-image. Now, your self-image affects everything that has anything to do with you. I wrote this in my notes. I've shared it with a few of you on the side, but I won't go too far down this road. But there's a reason why we dream less and less the older we get. It's not an age problem. It's a self-image problem. I think this is part of the reason why Jesus tells us to be like little children. Man, when, when we're little children, we aspire to greatness. We dream of greatness. We dream of being astronauts and, and, and firemen and school teachers and and rock stars, and sports heroes, and, and, and all of these things, right? The older we get, we tend to dream less and less. Now, you can say, no, it's just because I get older and time's run out. No, no, see, again, Colonel Sanders started KFC in his 80s. I don't know if you've ever been to Freddy's. I highly recommend Freddy's, okay? And Mr. Freddy started, that. I don't think he was as old as Kentucky Fried Chicken, but it's one of the fastest-growing restaurant chains in, in the country now. Again, started it late, late, late in life. All right. So again, it's, it's the image that we have of ourselves that becomes more and more set in concrete the older we get, which affects the way that we dream. Now, again, I'm not going to go too terribly far down this road because there's a target I'm trying to hit this morning. But self-image, once again, affects every area of our lives. But few things in our lives are more important than our relationships. And the image that we have of ourselves has more influence and impact on our relationships than any other factor. As a matter of fact, I, I could make an argument for you that if you take everything out of this book, the Word of God, that has to do with a relationship, there's nothing left but a cover, a table of contents, and some maps. 
It's all about our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. So in, in many ways, you could say that, that relationships are our lives. Am I right about this? If you look at the happiest and most beautiful moments of your life, people have been involved in those happy, beautiful moments. If you look at some of the saddest and most painful and hurtful moments of your life, again, you will find people present in those moments. When the devil wants to curse you, he's trying to find somebody he can use to do it. And when God wants to bless you, he's trying to find somebody he wants to use who will do it. The kingdom of God is built upon relationships. It functions and thrives by relationships. The relationships that the Lord has established between this family of faith and men and women all over the world has enabled us to affect people in countries that we'll never see this side of heaven. But again, it's relationships, the kingdom of God, all of these things. And so because God is so for relationships, God's enemy is so against them. And few things have more impact. I don't know of anything that has more impact on relationships than our self-image. Nothing affects the quality of your relationships more. Now, let me try to illustrate this for a moment. Have you ever tried to have a relationship with someone who is insecure? Or, let's flip it, if you struggle with insecurity, and most do to some extent. Come on now. Most people do to some extent. Uh, amen. We're, we're growing in that, right? Listen, y'all... If y'all had known me in middle school, you'd never think I'd be standing here today, okay? Um, I was as backward and as bashful, and you know what I'm saying? Um, I think I cried for my mama till I was in the fifth grade when I went to school. You know, you, you, come on now. You understand what I'm saying? Don't look at me like that. Some of you did that too. You just acting like you didn't. Amen. Amen. Love my mama, bro. That's what John Mark said, you know. Love my, what he said, love my mammy, bro. That's what, anyway, praise God. All right. I just got vulnerable on you there for a moment. So it really wasn't the fifth grade. <laughs> it was the eighth grade. But anyway, no, no, let's, let's, let's get back to this. Praise God. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So if, if you struggle with insecurity, and most people do to some extent, think of how your insecurity affects your relationship. So, so either side of the coin, you're trying to have a relationship with someone who is struggling with self-image and insecure, or you're struggling with self-image and insecure, and you're trying to have relationships with other people. How, do, how does it affect you? You're constantly seeking affirmation from those people. You feel like you've always either got to give them something, Right? to earn their, their respect or their favor or their time or their love, right? Or you're always hint-bricking for them to affirm you in some way. You, see, you, like, you ever had anybody say something that's like this to you? Like, I am so fat, right? What do they want you to tell them? You sure are, dude. You could lose 50 pounds and I probably wouldn't even notice. No, they're wanting, they're, they're wanting you to tell them, no, no, you know, I can't stand my hair like this. They're wanting you to tell them that you like their hair, if you hadn't figured that out by now. Some folks just keep driving. It's like, well, you know, whatever, dude. You know. No, they, they're, again, it, see, this is affecting the way we relate with people because we're not secure in who we are. We're trying to find that security in other people, right? And we can't ever just relax and let people love us for who we are because we don't even love ourselves for who we are because we don't even know who we are. Amen or oh me. Let me keep going here. Praise God. So I've already mentioned it. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a physical body. So because you are a three-dimensional being, it's possible for you to have three different versions of yourself. Your true self, the way you see yourself, that's version number two, self-image, true image, self-image, the way you see yourself. 
And then number three, the version of yourself that you present to the world. Okay? Now, we call these um, our true image. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's get back to it. True image, which is your spirit, your self-image, your soul, your outer image, which is your body. Okay? Now, when I say your body, you know, outer image, we also, I've got another slide here. Let me just do it to be easier this way. So your true image is your spirit, and this is what the Bible says, as you are known in heaven. Okay? And this is, this is, the, this is the version of us, our true self, that we want our self-image to come into alignment with. In other words, where, where we see ourselves the way God sees us, where, where we think of ourselves the way He thinks of us. We believe uh, to be true about ourselves, what, what, what Father God says is true about us, all right? But then we have our self-image, our soul, and this is as you know yourself, okay? And then your projected image, your body, and this is as you make yourself known. Now, I'm fast-forwarding through a lot of this because, I'm there's a, again, there's a certain thing that I feel like I really need to get to this morning. <clears throat> so let me just help you understand that God created you. And I've, I don't know how many. I've, I've probably got 15 or 20 different verses that back this up. We've already looked at some of them. But God created you for His glory to shine through you. Okay? God created, that's why He created you in His image, icon, and in His likeness. He, he is over 800,000 different body types of insects. God could have created you to look, you know, I mean, octopuses have eight arms, right? You, I mean, you know, come on. He created you using himself as a prototype. One of the verses that we'll get to at some point, I'll just remind you now, it's 1 Corinthians 15. We have borne the image of the earthly man long enough. It's time now in light of all that's been done for us that we bear the image of the heavenly man once again. Amen. So you were created in such... Remember, Lucifer was created to reflect the glory of God. The glory of God bounced off of him like the light from the sun bounces off the moon. You were created different from angels. God created you for his glory to reside in you and to project through you, to shine through you, okay? So this is why I've told you to think of your spirit, your soul, and your body as a movie projector. Now, I know that may sound like an odd way of thinking about yourself, but this is the simplest way the Holy Spirit has showed me to date to try to not only explain this, but... To, to give you a, a, a picture, an image, if you will, um, of this. And so, and so here, here, is, um, here is my attempt at an image, okay, uh, to illustrate, an illustration. Anybody like illustrations? You know, have you ever picked up a book and thumbed through it, no pictures, and so you just put it back on the shelf, right? Okay, all right, so I got pictures for you this morning, all right? So if you'll, if you'll notice, we got a light bulb with an arrow pointing to a film reel and then an arrow pointing to a movie screen, okay? And so the light bulb in the projector is your spirit. I got Bible on this, right? The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, okay? So your spirit is the, is the lamp, 
okay, that's shining, that's radiating. It has been illuminated with the glory of God. Father, the glory that you've given me, I've given them. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells inside of you. Um, when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you, He'll dwell in you forever. How is it that, that the Holy Spirit lives in you and the image and glory of God does not? Are you kidding me? All right. So I could go on and on with this. But He has, through the new birth, because remember, before we all sinned and fell short of what? Fell short of obedience. Is that what it says? Fell, fell short of, um, of, of making everybody think we're good people. Is that what it says? No. We fell short of the glory of God. And this thing is about more than being a, a, a good person. It's about letting the glory of God shine through you, project through you, so that people can see your life, reality, and know there's a God in heaven, a living sacrifice becoming living proof of a living God. That's Romans 12, 1, 2, and 3. Now, let's go back to it. So your spirit, right, that's where you were born again. That's where you were made a new creation. That's, that's the part of you that was created again according to God. God used himself as a template. Now the film reel represents your soul, and your soul is where your self-image resides. Remember again, true image is who God knows you to be. Self-image is who you know you to be. And if you understand how a movie projector works, the, the light shines through the film and projects an image on the screen, right? So when we say body, I'm not just talking about your your body like standing in front of a light and it's shining on you is, is, the, is the, where the image is projected. But the life that you live becomes the projected image. This is why you can never change the outward reality without changing the image. Right? So let me, let me show you an example. Um, and and I, I wanted to use this icon um, on purpose, the reel-to-reel um, uh, old school uh, movie projectors. Now it's digital and you download it and put it in the cloud and all that stuff. I wanted you to see that one in your mind, okay? Why? Well, has anybody ever said to you or have you ever thought these words, here we go again? Right? We talked about this on, uh, on Wednesday night. Um, by the way, we're in a sermon series on Wednesday night. It's free, okay? Faith will flourish in an understanding heart. I feel like it's some of the most important messages on faith that I've ever preached. Amen. And I would please encourage you to access those. But, amen, here we go again, right? Because let me tell you, let me tell you what happens because when our self-image, the more remember I said we dream less and less? Which means what? Um, every time the, the movie runs through all the way through, we take it off and we put it back up on the top, we thread it back through, and it starts over again. Right? So here we go again. We're older now. It may be different places. It may be a different job. It may be a different boss. It may be, you may be in a different country. Right? But there you are projecting the same life reality We said there's a, a big disparity between the self-image and our projected image. In other words, the, the, the person that we want people to believe we are. Okay? But the bigger gap is between who we think we are and who we really are. So when we've got the glory of God inside of us shining out from us and through us, notice how our self-image 
often paints a distorted picture in our life reality. Because it, it's, it's, it's shining through all these lies that we believe about ourselves. It's, it's shining through all these feelings of, of, of worthlessness and inferiority and, and I can't and I'm too old. Notice when you're, when you're too young, the devil will tell you you're too young. Then when you get older, he'll tell you you're too old. It doesn't matter, right? It, 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 and, and so these things that we believe about ourselves, and one day when I get older, you know, then it's like, man, I wish I was younger and blah, 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 right? And, and, and so the glory of God is passing through all of this. And, and so many times, this is what Paul said to the uh, Galatians. He said, your true image is a king, but your life reality reflects a slave instead of the king that you are. Amen. Why? Because they, they saw themselves as slaves. They saw themselves not as people that God loved. They saw themselves as people they were trying to earn God's love. Right? Not, not as people that, that God had made into the image and likeness of himself. They still saw themselves as just an old sinner saved by grace. Right? Think, let's just take that lie from the devil, an old sinner saved by grace. If you see yourself as an old sinner saved by grace, right, that's the film that the light inside of you keeps shining through. Guess, what's gonna, guess what your life reality is going to look like? An old sinner saved by grace. <laughs> Are you, come on now. It's not hard, right? We could have left the kids in here this morning. They could understand this. Are you with me? Now, praise the name of the living God. So your spirit's the light in the projector, your soul is the film, and the, and the light shines through. Your life reality is the image projected. And it's, uh, as they used to say in the, in, the, in the old days when they went from still photography, it's a moving image, right? That's why we call them movies, right? Move-ease. It's moving, right? You with me? I'm not trying to be funny. It's okay if you laugh. It wouldn't hurt my feelings. But I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's not just a static image that's being projected. It's a moving image because you are a living being. Come on, brother. A motion picture. It's in motion. It's in motion. Thank you, Donald. It's in motion. Amen. Now, what I'm about to show you, man, this is, this is what... We've got to, first of all, understand it so we can change it. All right? You can't disown what you never own. Okay? Now, the next illustration I have for you is going to illustrate to you what the devil has been trying to affect in your life since before you knew you were on planet Earth. We kind of come to around three years old to five years old, right? The devil was already at work in your life trying to produce what I'm going to show you here on this slide. Even before you knew you were in the world, and he's such a punk, he doesn't wait till you get old enough to understand. He starts as early as he possibly can to try to get every single one of us captured in this vicious cycle. But in Jesus' name this morning, in Jesus' name this morning, he is, he is exposed... The light of the truth is shining into this and the cycle is broken beginning today in Jesus' name. Okay? All right, here it is. I'm going to explain it to you. This is a graphic image of a feedback loop. A feedback loop. I was so excited about this. I, I, if you remember, I kind of just 
threw some of it in. I just sprinkled like, like, you know, like some uh, paprika or something. I just kind of sprinkled it in to, you know, what, what's, what, what did Emerald do? Bam! You know, he put the spices in there. You know, I just kind of, bam, some of it in there last Sunday morning. Okay, but here we are. All right, here we are. Okay. <clears throat> a feedback loop. If you've ever been in this building, it happened just a little bit when I first walked up to open the service in prayer. That, that started. Some of you heard that. That's when the output from the speakers loops back and becomes input into a microphone, which again then becomes output through the speakers input back in through the microphone and every time it does it, it gets louder, deeper, more shrill. If you've ever heard it squeal really, really loud like you're afraid it just broke glass out of the front door of the church, again, that's a feedback loop. It's when input is looping, I'm sorry, when output is looping back and becoming input. All right? Now, what's on the screen in front of you, for those of you who are listening by podcast, at the top of the, of the image, uh, the, the, the graphic is the word self-image. Then there is an arrow going off to the right of it pointing to the words feelings and behavior underneath. And then the other side of feelings and behavior is an arrow going back around to self-image. Okay? Now, the devil is trying to trick all of us into living from the outside in instead of from the inside out. Okay, I'll come back to it. If you notice, see, these arrows, that's from the deepest part of you out through you. This is why um, John prayed that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Your born-again spirit is, is prospering and in health. Okay? But the devil never wants to see you as, for you to see yourself as prosperous and healthy. He, that, have, you, have you listened to all the songs on Christian radio these days about how broken we are? See, see the devil's wanting you to believe you're broken. He's wanting you to believe that, that you're busted. And, and he wants you to believe that you're impoverished and that, that you know, nobody in your family ever owned property, so you'll never own property. Nobody in your family ever achieved anything, so you'll never achieve anything, right? He, he's, he's trying to, to, to create this, this image within you, right? So, but again, we live from the inside out, connected to God, God flowing from his spirit into our spirit through our soul out into the world around us. Amen. This is how God designed every single one of us to live. The devil doesn't want you to understand that. And then even if you do understand that, he's trying to get you to live like this. Now, when we live from the outside in, we're tricked into, deceived into, allowing our feelings and behavior to form our self-image. So listen, this is, this is key to understanding this. Breakthrough's coming. Just believe me with it. Get your faith up. When we live like this, it means we're allowing what determines our feelings and behavior to be shaped by our feelings and behavior. Your self-image is what determines how you feel and how you behave. So a feedback loop is when we allow the thing that determines our feelings and behavior 
to become shaped by our feelings and behavior. Right? So, so watch this, okay? So this is exactly how the devil works. I'm not talking about almost, I'm talking about exactly how he works, okay? So you're a little kid, and maybe all the other kids in the neighborhood are older than you, or they like to ride skateboards and you like to color. I don't know, whatever, okay? And, and so they leave you out. Rejection is one of the devil's number one tools that he tries to use against us, okay? So, so now you're there by yourself, and you feel lonely, Okay? You feel lonely. A feedback loop goes something like this. Because you feel lonely, you be lonely. You are lonely. Okay? Because you feel depressed, you are depressed. Okay? Because you've abused alcohol in the past, and become addicted to it, behavior, you are an alcoholic. It's a feedback loop. Your behavior is feeding back into your self-image, the very thing that's producing the feelings and behavior that are feeding back into it on the other side. Jesus said, when you pray, believe you have already received the thing that you ask for, and you will have whatever it is that you say. The truth is, by His stripes you were healed. The facts are, you're still experiencing symptoms, feelings, behavior. If we allow the symptoms, if we allow the amount of money in our bank account, if we allow the circumstances going on around us to feed back into the image that we have of ourselves, in other words, if we believe the present tense facts over the eternal truth, we're going to have an image of ourselves as lonely, depressed, sick, broke, no good, unworthy. Are you seeing this? We could put all kinds of things under feelings and behavior. Circumstances, symptoms, reputation, um, family tree for some of us. I mean... Right? Oh, I want you to get this. I want you to see this. Here's a really profound statement for you, okay? If nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes. But I'm offering to you this morning. Now listen, if you haven't been born again, the most important thing you could ever do is let... God create your true image new according to Him, Ephesians 4, and many other verses. But I feel like for the most part, I'm speaking to folks who have already experienced that. Okay. So I'm offering to you as a born-again believer, let me put that clarifying statement there, that the most important thing that you can understand and focus on changing is what's being represented in this illustration in front of you. Now, facts and truth are not the same thing. The devil never wants you to understand that. 
Matter of fact, the devil's probably just told somebody, all he's doing is just, you know, trying to split hairs here. No, no, I'm not splitting hairs. The Word of God makes this very clear to us. Facts are temporary. Fact is, I'm wearing a white shirt this morning. Tomorrow, I will not have a white shirt on. I'll not wear a white dress shirt in the morning. Does that mean I'm lying right now? No. It's, it's a fact now, but it will not be a fact later today. I won't sleep in this shirt tonight, contrary to what a lot of people believe about pastors. Okay? I survived my first Easter in 54 years without a tie. Last, I don't know what that means other than I just did. Okay? Praise God. All right. Amen. If this shirt was the truth, it means I would have this white shirt on for eternity because truth never changes. Truth is eternal. If it's the truth today, it'll be the truth tomorrow, and it was the truth yesterday, and it was the truth 1,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, and it'll be the truth 10,000 years from today. That's the truth. The enemy wants us to get caught up in this self-image feedback loop where all we consider are the facts. You break the cycle by allowing the truth in the Word of God to override the facts. The fact may be you want to go get high right now. The truth is whom the Son has made free is free indeed. Truth is, your knee may be hurting you right, right now so bad you can't hardly stand it, okay? But the truth is, by His stripes, you were healed. You are healed. The facts are, you may have lived a pretty rough life and people may have uh, abused you and victimized you. That may be the facts, but the truth are, you're more than a conqueror through Him who loved you. Are you seeing this, right? But do you see how the devil your whole life wanted you to see yourself as the addict, as, as, as the loner, as, as, the, as the victim, right? He, he, listen, y'all going to love me after? I know you will. I, just hear me. I, I'm speaking to more people that are not in this room than are in this room right now. But listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. The one thing that just, it, it makes me so sad and, 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 and really in some ways it, it irritates and angers me and I'm not proud of it, I'm just telling you that it does, right? It's when people point to the movie reel of their life and say, God made me this way. No, 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 see, God didn't make the image that you have in your soul. He made you new according to Him. Right? Any kind of dysfunction, malfunction, brokenness, all, all this other stuff, right? It's, it's a distorted image that resides in your soul and involves how you see yourself. 
This is, the, this is the one thing the devil circles the wagons around. I was teaching on this Thursday morning at the foundry. And I had more people get up and go to the bathroom during that class than I have had in probably six weeks of classes combined. Gloucester, you should have seen it. It got, it, got so, it got so ridiculous that I just stepped back and I held up my hands. I said, I told you the devil doesn't want anybody to hear this. I said, if you got to empty your bladder, go empty it. But I'm just trying to show you how the enemy fights this tooth and toenail. Right? He doesn't want us to understand this. Could it be this simple? Because, see, Jesus already did the hard part. So we cry out to God, when are you going to help me, God? And he's like, reminding you of what he's already done for you. But we're crying out, why, is he, why aren't you helping me? Because we have an image that doesn't line up with what's been done for us. We don't see ourselves in light of our true image. We see ourselves in light of the old man we were. Maybe now you can understand this, what seemed like a riddle from Jesus. He said, if the light that's in you be darkness, how great is the darkness, right? In other words, if you continue to see yourself in light of the darkness instead of in light of the light, but if your eye be single, right? If your eye be single, meaning what? Meaning you refuse to see yourself any other way than your true image. Your whole body will be filled with light. Meaning what? The true light that's in your true image will shine through you and the world they were first called. Come on, singers, musicians. I could gracious sakes alive in the morning. I'm so excited about this. Right? They were making fun of them when they called them Christians in Antioch. They were, they were, that wasn't a badge of honor. Them fanatics been studying from Paul and Barnabas for a year now. They walking around here acting just like that when they call the Christ. Let's just call them Christians. Ha, 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 ha. No, let me tell you what happened. They had become so single-mindedly focused on who they became the day they became a new creation in Christ Jesus that people looked at them and saw Jesus. And they didn't have to wear some bracelet on their wrist. I'm not making light of that. If you've got one of those WWJD, my friend, listen, that's religion trying to conform. We sang it this morning. I don't want the form. I want without the power. I want the power. The form is when you try to manipulate the image you project to the world so people will think you're a spiritual person. This same movie, the same thing that's illustrated right now on the screen, this is the same. The devil doesn't care what that film is as long as it's not the true image. Who do you think, what movie do you think the Pharisees had playing in their projector? They projected to the world the epitome of righteousness. But Jesus said it was self-righteousness. On the outside, it was beautiful white paint, but on the inside, it was death. They had become very, 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 very skilled at projecting to the world an image of godliness, a form of godliness. 
But when the true power of God stared them right in the face, they didn't know who he was. Stand with me. I've told you before, I'll tell you again. Religion. Religion is man's attempt to project God to the world without really knowing him. That's why I'm not religious. Amen. For some reason, I'm just thinking about that crazy little fit I just threw and that it was on video. That's all right. It's okay. Man, I'm just... Man, this is in me this morning. It's so in me. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for what you're teaching us. Thank you for what you're showing us, Lord. We've covered a lot of ground this morning, Father. I don't want it to be wide and shallow, Father. I want it to be focused and deep. The deep waters of your word, Father, will move mountains out of the way in our lives, Father. Push. Push with your truth, Father, against the lies of the enemy this morning. Let it be like a dam breaking, Father. Let it be like the lights are coming on again for the first time, Lord. Make us aware, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're our helper. And we need your help with everything. But especially for this thing. Convince our hearts of our righteousness. Convince our hearts that the devil has been judged. Convince us this morning, Holy Spirit, as only you can, as we yield to you, as we surrender to you, to receive from you and to hear from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. John Mark's going to lead us in worship this morning. If you'd like to be prayed for, find a place to pray. These altars are open. Not trying to put any pressure on you, but let, let me let me let me say I know, amen. I don't know about you, but I will tell you about me. And thank God it hasn't happened lately, but there have been times in my life when I needed to come to this altar more than anything. And I didn't do it because I was afraid of what somebody might think. I'm not proud of that, but I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Open face. Take the mask off. Look in the mirror and see him staring back at you and he'll, he'll change you into that same glory from image to image is what the Bible says. Amen. Let's worship him this morning. If you desire prayer, please come. I take the bread of Broken for all my sin Your body crucified To make me whole again I will recall the cup Poured out in sacrifice To trade this sinner's end, I 
you to lead us in it won't amen son I, I want you to lead us in it one more time but this time oh to think who I would be okay right oh to think who I would be if not for you amen because that's right that's amen Amen. Amen. Because what? Mm, praise God. Go ahead. You've been so, so good to me. You've been so, so So I have started a, another list of scriptures. I like to put groups of scriptures together. And I'm calling this group of verses true image verses. As, as you're reading the scriptures, um, Proverbs 11, generous soul will be made rich. Amen. Right? Come on now. Praise God. That's one, that's one added to the list this morning. Praise God. Amen. So as you study, maybe get you a different color highlighter pen or something. I don't know how you do that, but 
cut and paste them or make you a list, whatever. Verses that exist in the Word of God to introduce you to your true image. Amen. We'll have another graphic soon, but it's when the truth feeds into the self-image that it's no longer a loop, right? The truth feeds into the self-image and then it's not a feedback loop. It's, it's projected through your life to the world. Amen. Amen. We'll explain more of that next week. Tell somebody you love them. Good things coming. Thank you so much for being here this morning. It means uh, so much to the Lord, and it also means so much to us for you to make the effort to be here. Good things coming.